I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackandpat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. Hello, bastards and wenches, and welcome to the first of three Anime Boston 2023 interview podcast specials. I am your King Baby Duck Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. Our first interview features voice actor John Swayze, best known for his role as Gendo Ikari in the iconic Evangelion franchise. He is also known for voicing All for One in My Hero Academia, Undertaker in Black Butler, and Kumatetsu in The Boy and the Beast. He's also a very big fan of a certain rock band with a very, very big following. B3 was joined by Anime Herald for this interview, and we're always happy to share the mic with those guys. So get in the goddamn robot and enjoy this Anime Boston 2023 interview podcast special with John Swayze. understood but you know when you when you deal with uh, so first of all I play a lot of dads and a lot of bad guys sometimes they're the same guy um, but for me um, I think that uh, somebody like a Gendo doesn't see what they're doing as evil or bad or wrong they have this goal to accomplish and it's kind of like whatever it takes to get it that's what I'm going to do Everything else be damned. I don't care. It's it, it, that's of no consequence to me, including maybe killing your own son. So it's uh, it's. I think it's just his wiring um, that. Okay, it's like is there a duck behind me? What's going on? <laughs> My chair. Um, so uh, I think that I think he's just misunderstood. I don't think he sees what he's doing as is necessarily as evil. I don't think he's 
benign to the fact that what he's doing is questionable. But again, I think it's, it's I don't care. This is what I want to accomplish. I think that's his MO, pretty much his driving driver, if you will. Good answer. Oh, good question. Um, what first got you interested in investing in anime? What was, uh, what? Um, so, okay, I, I got that question for you. So, um, I uh, am from Houston, Texas originally, where I live currently. Um, and uh, when I graduated college in 90, or excuse me, 87, um, I uh, went back to Houston, wanted to be an actor. I got a degree in theater from Sewanee, in, or University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee. And I wanted to be an actor. And I came back to Houston and started acting. I started doing improvisational comedy and sketch comedy, did a little theater, started doing commercials and, and film and stuff like that. And then uh, really started doing voiceover uh, commercials and, and training videos and such. And in 1997, and I was, you know, knock on wood, I was making a good living. I was, I had a family starting and uh, I just got married. I guess I hadn't had kids yet, but I, um, I, you know, I was doing fine. I was loving life and somebody said, you ought to do anime. And I was like, what's anime? And they said, it's Japanese animation. I said, well, I don't speak Japanese, so I can't, you know, what do you want me to do? They said, well, that's, that's okay because we don't do it either. We dub it into English. And I said, oh. And so I went and auditioned for this company in Houston called ADV Films and had uh, arguably one of the worst auditions I've ever had in my life because I didn't understand the process of ADR. I just, I didn't even know what anime was. I was, you know, why does everybody have spiky blue hair? I don't get this, you know. And, and in 97, in all fairness, it was still a very niche genre. You know, I said in my panel today, it's like the video store didn't even have a section. They had a shelf. You know, that's how, that's how minute it was. So um, anyway, but I, I asked to audition again. I had a terrible audition. I said, listen, I went to my car. I came back and I said, can I try this again? I know I can do better. And they let me do it again. And I did a lot better. And then I got my first role in a show called Golden Boy uh, as the role of the director. And uh, I had a couple of people come up to me today at my table and, you know, say, dude, I love you and Golden Boy. And it's just like, I've never even seen it. I, I rarely watch the work I do. I don't, you know, some people ask me also, like, what, what, what's your favorite anime to watch? And I'm like, you know, I direct full time, all day. I don't go home and unwind by watching more anime, you know. It's just, so, um, but anyway, that's kind of what got me into it. And, and then <clears throat> for me, for a couple of years... It was really just another gig. I didn't really, you know, oh, great, going to do more cartoons, you know. And uh, then ADV really started to grow. Uh, they added studios, added directors, and a lot of guys that I worked with in the advertising world, copywriters and stuff like that, came over to be directors. So I started working with them, and it was like, man, this is really cool. And, and uh, ADV in its prime, those prime years in the early 2000s, Oh my gosh, I mean, actors, we were, they had studios running from 9 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. And there was a shift change at 4 o'clock, like a factory. And actors, we were just going over there all the time working. And, you know, it was a real cash cow for a lot of actors. I mean, not a cash cow so much, it's just steady work, you know. And uh, then I started directing there, and um, slowly but surely, uh, I'm now, ADV became Sentai. I started working up at Funimation, doing shows for them. And, 
Um, now I'm a full-time director at Sentai and act full-time doing anime, and I rarely have time to do any other type of acting except this. And so it's kind of interesting for me that, you know, my daughter's an actor as well. She just graduated U of H, and she's a voice actor and a screen actor and all that. She does a lot of anime, and she's kind of getting her name out there. And I just said, you know, um, you're doing great. You're so far ahead of where I was because, you know, when I started, it was very just, you know, this, the size of this tab. Now it's the size of this room. You know, and I, I like to, the analogy or the example I like to give is when I first started doing anime, there might be one or two conventions a month. Now there's six and seven a week around the world. And they're everything from Anime Boston that's, you know, 25,000 people all the way down to some anime club at a library with 250 people. And it's, but it's just this love of this culture and this genre that it, it, uh, I know I'm giving you way more than how did I get started, but it's it's uh, <laughs> one of the things that I really love about it is, um, and I think that the reason I'm I'm so happy just to be where I am right now is I'm a uh, big Deadhead. I love the Grateful Dead. And <laughs> got my little Grateful Dead tattoo right there. <laughs> and uh, in fact, this is I'm like I'm going to look around tonight see if there's any Grateful Dead cover bands anywhere in the neighborhood because I want to go check it out. But anyway. Um, one of the things about a Grateful Dead concert is that everyone there is for the same reason. We're all there to see a show, have a great time, lift each other up, love each other, and all that. And that's the same vibe I get at an anime convention. And, you know, um, as we all know, so many anime fans are on the spectrum or outcasts or the one that they're victim of bullyism or, you know, whatever. But here, they're all safe and they're all lifted up and supported. And I just, it's beautiful. I think the world could take a lesson on how to get along from an anime convention, personally. So that's how I got started, <laughs> and why I continue to do it today. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I don't know how to follow up after an amazing answer. <laughs> Put that uh, in an article. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about more fodder figures you play. One of my personal favorites, and I think one of your funniest, um, funniest performances to date is that of uh, Gozaburo Seto in the show. Oh! He's tough and rarely tears into Nagasumi whenever he can, but he is a big softie for his daughter's son. So what went into bringing so many different personalities into this one singular character? So, you know, when we get cast as a role, I mean, uh, certainly um, uh, having, having done this for, as, you know, luckily and as long as I have, you know, we, we get... People, we get typecast or kind of pigeonholed, which is fine. You know, I'd rather just people go, do you, do you mind being typecast? I'm like, no. I'd rather be typecast than not cast. So, uh, but we all, you know, kind of have voices and stuff that's in our wheelhouse. And dads are certainly, you know. But Gosaburo was interesting because everything he did, he yelled. I mean, if you've, if you've seen the show, you know, it's like, hello! You know, oh, Thanks, Dad. You want to say grace? Yes! So, um, when we recorded that, uh, we actually would record for about 15 minutes 
and then take about a 40 minute break just to let my vocal cords relax. It's like doing a video game or something. I mean, just you're, you're just pushing so much out. Um, uh, but, you know, that's just one of those shows that you, I mean, all shows, uh, but that show in particular because it, we recorded it differently. And back in the old days, we would record uh, uh, the whole show, like a 12-episode show at once. Wow. So we could, we could package it all together. Actually, let me back up. Way back when, we did two shows at a time because that's all you could get onto a VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Then when DVD came out, we could do the whole season of 12 episodes because that would all fit on one DVD. And it's more cost-effective to do it that way. Because um, you're paid by the hour, so uh, if I bring you in for a hundred lines, and it's going to take two hours, uh, but I can, you know, in the next episode, you've only got, let's say, forty-five lines. It's just I can bring you in for everything at once, or or break it up four hours today, four hours tomorrow, kind of thing. But the point is, is that uh, when we were doing Gosaburo. We were doing the whole show. Now, everyone, we do these dub casts or simulcasts where it's one episode a week, and that's to kind of stay in line with uh, or combat pretty much piracy. It's, uh, it's, you know, when the Japanese version comes out, we want our version out pretty quick. Um, but so we were doing that. So it, it, it took a lot of toil, toil on my voice. Um, I'm, but I just really had to rely on the director to, to, you know, steer me and, okay, and this, you know, now he's really upset or now he's, you know, you can see a lot just when you're doing it, but sometimes you really lean on the director a lot for a lot of guidance, and that was a show that I definitely did that for. So. It was an awesome performance. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually an interesting, I have an interesting call for that, Alan. You just mentioned that um, the dubbing process has changed to adapt to the stream, the, um, the streaming era. Right. Um, as, in particular, you've been in the street, in this industry since um, 1996, 1997. What would you say has been the um, the biggest, most substantial change to the overall dubbing process as we enter the modern era? Well, every studio that I've ever worked for, whether it's Sentai. Uh, Funimation slash Crunchyroll or Dubbing Brothers, uh, or everyone's kind of got their own method um, of recording. Um, the the just the fact that everything's digital now has certainly been a game changer because you can you, you know you don't I mean you can eat up disk space but there's so much of it it's not like spinning tape where you've ruined a whole reel of tape or something you know. And uh, um, I would say for me that uh, things, we've just noticed changes. Like, for instance, when I first started at ADV, they use a method, it's called the chase method. I don't really know why they call it that, um, because we're not chasing anything. Uh, But basically, in traditional ADR, and sent, uh, excuse me, Funimation or Crunchyroll, whatever they're called, still does this today. They have a beep system where it goes beep, 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 and then you talk on that fourth beep, and it should time out pretty well. And when you look at a script, it has notations on it like an ellipsis means a pause, underlying means mouth not seen, italicized means it's a mental thought. Um, at Sentai, 
we don't use the beep system. We just we chase it, but basically we wait till we hear our character start to speak. But we get a three second pre roll, so it's almost like a silent beep. So we just go. If you're going to start at 010220, it would start at 010217, and it goes 17, 18, 19, and he starts to talk. And you know, there's a certain pace. You know, we want to take it. You don't. You don't deliver lines like this all of a sudden and then slow down again. You know, it's, not, it's just it's a nice even pace. So, but then the engineer can just slide the line and we can, you know, stretch it or shrink it or add words, take out words, all kinds of things. But it's just a very fast method. Um, it used to be that we would do like one line at a time, and now um, in Houston at Sentai, we'll do whole scenes at a time. Just let the actor go. And if they're really good, like a Lucy Christian or a Monica Rial or a Brittany Karbowski or, you know, Adam Gibbs, Christina Kelly, they'll just, they'll go right through the script. And it's just, it's, you know, really magical. But it, it lets the actor kind of get into the scene, you know, um, as opposed to doing one line at a time. It's very, that's a, more of a sterile feeling to me. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not necessarily better or worse but so there's it, it just the the biggest change I've seen is the digital shift but um, other than that it's kind of the same way we've been doing it for a long long time you know so I mean I, I will say this too the other thing uh, and this is kind of uh, pandemic-y uh, post-pandemic is is the remote recording that technology has come a long way we were as an industry just forced to embrace it and uh, you know, now we've got studios. When I would be in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and somebody goes, how, how do I get into voiceover? How do I get into anime? And be like, well, the first thing you got to do is leave Lancaster because there's no, the Amish don't do it. So, um, but now you can live in Lancaster and have a home studio and so you can work from anywhere in the world. That's the good news. The bad news is so can the entire world. So the, the talent pool and the, the, um, the uh, competition has grown significantly, so that's a that's kind of a tough thing. But it's 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 still kind of the same old method we've been doing for a long, long time. So, yeah. uh, so this is one of my favorite questions to ask: um, If you could erase every memory of having played a character, you know, gotten to know them and discover them, and go back through that process of discovering them for the first time again. Which one would you choose? And it doesn't necessarily have to be an anime if you've done other acting, whichever one you think, but obviously if it's anime, that's cool. <laughs> like if I were going to do a character that I've done, but pretend I've never done it before. Yeah, like all start. the memories of you having done it have been wiped, and then you would go through the process of doing it again. Huh, that's an interesting question. Um... I, I gotta, if I had to pick one, I probably would pick uh, All for One from My Hero. And the reason is when I started doing All for One, I didn't have a clue who he was. I didn't have a clue what the show was. And a lot of times when, when, we, when we bring in out-of-town actors or when I go up to Dallas, I live in Houston, Dallas is four hours away... They're very good. The studios are very good and generous with trying, oh, they're coming in from out of town for this director. Anybody else got any work for them that we can throw more money at them? 
Uh, and it's, you know, it's wonderful, great. So I was up doing something. I don't know what it was. I didn't know what show it was on. I was like up maybe Allison's a Roku or something. And uh, somebody said, oh, hey, listen, Colleen needs you for an hour. Are you available? Or 30 minutes. Are you available? I said, yeah, great. Add it on. You know, stack up the hours. And uh, I would go in and she'd go, okay, this show is called My Hero Academia. And you're playing this guy named All for One. And he's really not seen a whole lot right now, but you're perfect for it, blah, blah, blah. And literally, I would go in, they go, okay, you ready? And recording. Excellent. Very well, then. Okay, thanks. Thanks for coming in. I was like, that was it. You know, I was like, well, what's this dude about? You know, and I, I had no idea. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, like another season before I started. In fact, I'll never forget, I was at a convention, and Colleen... Um, Carol, the director, was sitting next to me. And she's like, why don't you have any prints for All for One? And I was like, for who? She goes, All for One, John. My Hero Academia. It's the hottest show in anime right now. And I'm like, it is? <laughs> and she goes, oh my gosh, John, let me school you a little bit. So she did. And I was like, oh my word, I had no idea. And uh, then, of course, she started right after that. It was like, we need you for four hours. And it was much, you know, much bigger stuff, and then it's like, oh, so I don't know if I would have approached it any differently, but um, and there's not a whole lot to do with excellent, you know, <laughs> that's it. But it would have been cool to know more of what was going on, you know. The bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if anything would have been different, but it is kind of cool to. It's exciting when you know. You know, kind of what's coming. A lot of people I know read the manga, and they're like, "You know what's about to happen?" I'm like, "This is like a year ago." I'm like, "No, I don't." And they go, "Well, it's about to get crazy," which is really funny because to me, for especially with All for One, because uh, you know, we when we last left our villain, he was locked up in prison, and I was just I remember thinking to myself, you know. That can't be the way he ends. There's got to be something bigger. You know, a final showdown. Some sort of, this is it. You know, apocalyptic kind of whatever. And then, about two months later, a friend of mine at work came up and she reads the manga, she and her husband. And then she's like, so you know what's about to happen with All for One? It's like, no, what? She goes, well, he's going to break out of prison. And blah, 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 blah. And man, oh my God, it's going to get crazy. And sure enough, that has now started in the uh, recording. So, the, the, you know, animes are generally about a year behind the manga. So, yeah. But awesome. that would be him. Yeah. All right. So, actually, I want to ask a follow-up question. Earlier today, I actually interviewed uh, Anna, Christina. Oh, yeah. And that was lovely. And one of the things I asked them is how they got to it, and they were all traditional actors at first, as were you. Uh, do you find that the pipeline is still the same? Uh, is it still hiring a lot of the traditional actors to work? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mentioned my daughter, uh, and she went graduated from U of H, and we we have a lot of actors in our talent pool that came from U of H and from Sam Houston State, which is in Huntsville, about an hour and a half north of Houston. And because uh, they're very strong theatrical programs at those schools, um, I find that uh, actors that have a theatrically trained background 
a stage background are way ahead and way better than somebody. When somebody comes in and goes, I want to do voiceover, you know, and I just bought a new microphone and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's great. But to me, that's like going, I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. So I went down to the guitar shop and I bought a Fender Stratocaster for $2,000 and I bought a, you know, a rig and amps and pedals and switches and I came home and plugged it all in. What'd you play? Well, I don't know how to play it yet. I'm like, well, why did you do all that? That's, that's putting the cart before the horse. You know, it's like, no, just you should, you should learn to act. Um, so the most important thing is the acting. So absolutely, that's, I found that's where the, the, the strongest actors come from. Not always. There's, there are exceptions to every rule, of course, but I try to use, try to bring in actors that, I, for one thing, the acting is there. Now all you've got to do is learn the, the mechanical process of ADR, which can be a little tricky, you know, learning this process. But, I mean, my first audition at ADV way back when, literally this is what I did. They said, and I was, I was a working actor. I was doing voiceover. I knew my way around a studio. I knew, you know. They said, okay, so here's your script. Put on the headphones. You're going to watch the movie. And when you hear your character talk, you start talking. And I said, okay. And they said, and recording. And I went. <laughs> They're like, John? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, can you hear the Japanese? I'm like, I think so. Okay, well, that's your cue to start talking. I'm like, okay, and recording. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, once, once I kind of figured it out, it, it's like a light bulb going off, you know. Um, it's it really works, but yeah, definitely. It's, it's a very good question because we get people all the time. You know, I want to get into voiceover. How do I do it? How do I do it? And it's like, man, get into an acting class, get into an improv class, take a stage or film, any kind of acting class, and then let it grow from there. And it, you want it to be an organic experience, not try to force it. Because if you come in and and I've had this happen, uh, actors come in that are just not very strong actors. And they came in and they just tanked, and it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I was telling this, but I'm just like, I can't use you. I can't use you, and I'm not going to use you again. I don't want to waste anybody's time. So it's, it's really better to have those uh, trained actors to come in for sure. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, a little tradition we have is something where instead of bringing three albums to a desert island, let's say for the rest of your life. We'd like to ask what three actor or uh, what three characters of your own would you bring to a deserted island and why? <laughs> the characters that I played? Yes. Uh, well, I would bring Salvador from Borderlands 2, but I would make him live on the other side of the island until I needed him. <laughs> um, I would bring. Uh, who would I bring? I think I would bring. Uh, who else? Maybe Kumitetsu from The Boy and the Beast. And, because uh, we probably could be good drinking buddies. <laughs> and then, um, trying to think. Oh, uh, I would bring, um, oh God, what's his name? It's a show I did a long time ago called Area 88. It's about jet fighters, planes and stuff. Because then we'd have a plane, we could get off the island, so, you know. <laughs> awesome. Okay.
Thank you. Uh, a few uh, All right, yeah, I guess um, this is what I like to ask well, uh, fairly often. What would you say is most um, interesting or unusual thing that ever happened to you in the recording booth? <laughs> okay, so I got two little stories here. One is for me and one is for my daughter. But it involved me. Uh, one of the things is I was directing, in fact, I think it was Christina Kelly. And, you know, when, when the actor comes in, we don't record in a linear fashion, meaning we don't start with the first line and just go down. I mean, we'll start with the actor's first line, but the actor may not show up for five minutes in, and then I'm recording this actor that doesn't come in until here, and so you just it's like a puzzle. And uh, so a lot of times the actors don't know the full context of what's going on. So it's up to the director to guide them and say, oh, I need you to be stronger on this word and you know say it like this because you're referring to something that happened earlier and you didn't know about that, you know. And Christina Kelly had a line, and it was something like, "Well, that's all fine and good, but what about me?" And I was like, "Hey, Christina, that was great. Um, I, I want to redo it though, and I because you're referring to blah 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 blah, you're doing this. So what I need you to do is do the line again, but this time I'd like you to go down on me." No, I did not say that. I know. I am so sorry. I did not. Do not call HR. We do not. We're fine. I meant go down on the word me, the inflection. So, we had a good laugh over that. Then one time my daughter came into the studio. She was working with a dear friend of mine, Kyle Jones, a brilliant director and a partner in crime. We do a lot of fun things like we did a, a movie together. It was his idea. It was a live-action movie called Gamera 2. And uh, he's a turtle. And, um, and uh, he's like Godzilla, but he's a turtle. And uh, anyway, Kyle came up with the idea. And the Japanese loved it, by the way. Uh, we did the entire movie as a bunch of Texas rednecks. <laughs> and uh, great lines like, that's a big-ass turtle. <laughs> If you'd like to get a copy of it, I'll give you my email. You can send me your email, and, and I'll send you a copy of it. Oh. Anyway, uh, but uh, anyway, so Kyle was in the studio. My daughter had gone in to work with Kyle, and Kyle was saying, "So uh, in this scene, uh, you're you're getting hit on by this guy, and he's kind of making some aggressive moves, and you know you're fighting it, but you're kind of into it, and blah blah blah." blah. She's like, "Okay, you know, she's an actor. She's a pro." And she's in there, and they're gonna. He goes, "Let's just work. Let's watch it, so you can get a sense of of what's going on." And she's watching the scene. She's tracking with it and everything. And she starts to think, "Wait a minute. Why do I know that voice? Uh, oh my God! That's my dad!" <laughs> oh my God! She's like Kyle, and she looks out. Kyle's just <laughs> busting a gut, you know. <laughs> So we do we do like to have fun in the booth, you know. We, uh, Gibbs, Adam Gibbs, y'all interviewed earlier. There's another actor in Houston named Scott Gibbs, and they're not related at all. Uh, Scott's very tall, and Adam's very short. Yeah. And, uh, um, but <laughs> they're both amazing, amazing talents. But a lot of times we'll get actors, you know, because when they come in, if the other actors have recorded already that actor gets the advantage of hearing what the English is. So, and it gives them a better chance to react and act and that kind of thing. But a lot of times in a scene, you know, right in the middle of the scene, 
the the other actor will say like, well, Scott Gibbs never would have done that, or something like that. It just you know throws at him off. We just like to have fun, and we leave them. They call them bombs, but it's just it's just fun ways to throw the actors off and just just keep it light. You know, we're all there for a good time and and uh, have fun. If you're not having fun, it's not gonna be good. You know what I mean? So. Anybody else have a question? Are we out of time, or what's our? I don't know what the. I, I think yeah, I think we're we're out of time. Okay. If anybody has a question, I'm, I'm I don't want to take up. If you've got somebody else coming in, I don't want to take up. I don't think we haven't had anybody else coming. Okay. In, so if you want to report. Well, yeah. I mean, I told him I'd be back at five thirty. So you guys have any other questions? So actually, it's not as a question. Just to let you know, there are dead shows tonight. There's a show at dead, uh, dead show at ten o'clock tonight. It's about four miles away. And there's a show tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Don't know where the halfway. A dead show? Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead cover bands. Uh, oh, cover band. I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> dead, dead and Company are here? And it's funny because when they announced, I saw them last year and I was thinking I'd want to go this year to see them. Uh, but they're, I was thinking, you know what I got to do? Because I do a lot of conventions. I do. I did 44 conventions last year. And I'm probably on track to do about the same this year. And... Um, but I started thinking, it's like, you know what I need to do is go to AnimeCons.com and look up the Grateful Dead or Dead <laughs> Company's tour schedule and just see where cities coincide and go, I want to go to that convention and that convention and that convention. So I, I did that one time and they did their farewell. When Grateful Dead did their farewell before Dead and Company. They had their final shows in Chicago. And I was actually on vacation with my family. We were over in uh, Longmeadow uh, outside of Springfield visiting some family and we were up there for like a week and a half or something like that but in the middle that weekend uh, which was 4th of July weekend I had to be in Chicago at a convention so I flew from Hartford to Chicago did the con- left my family with the friends did the convention and flew back well while I'm at the bar airport bar in, in, in uh, Connecticut in Hartford my phone goes off and it says, this is a Thursday night, and it says, got one ticket for Friday. It was a group of friends from Florida. And it was like, got one ticket for, an extra ticket for Friday. Who wants it? And I was like, dude, I'm going to be in Chicago in like six hours. I want it. So it was like, done. I'll meet you there. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is great. So when I got to the convention, I was like, hey, I need to talk to somebody about my schedule. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what you've got for me Friday night, but you got to move it. And they're like, why? And I go, because I'm going to the Grateful Dead. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to the show. You can keep my schedule the way it is, but I will not be there. I am going to the show. So reminds me of all the sports writers in Baltimore covering the Orioles home opener, then hustling cross street to catch Bruce Springsteen tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, um, and I would say, are you guys based here, or are you guys? I'm, I'm based in Boston. Okay. And I'm from Providence. Oh, okay. And I'm New York. Oh, New York, wonderful. Well, Ohio. I, Ohio, what part? Uh, Columbus, Delaware. Oh, I love Columbus. Yeah, I love uh, the uh, North Market. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that cool? North Market, that Short North, and High Street, those are my jam. Yeah. I'm going to be in Sandusky for uh, a show coming up in about a month. But I was going to say, my grandmother's from Boston. I love, love, love Boston. And I wish I could be here longer. Um, I love our little sheet we get, the actors who go, we're very sorry, but the Red Sox will be are out of town this weekend. And they're like, I don't know. I've been to Fenway. In fact, I'll tell you one quick story about Fenway. And uh, this was, I love this. So when we were on that trip back then, 
the uh, we came to Boston for a few days, and we went to a Sox game, and it was awesome. Never been to Fenway, just having a ball. But we got the cheap seats. You know, we're out in right field, and there's like a giant beam, metal steel beam. So like I'm literally watching the pitcher batter, pitcher batter. But they're the cheap seats. They're like ten dollars seats. I was with my kids, and you know they were young at the time, and uh, there are these all these young people in front of us, like in their twenties, you know, young young professionals, whatever. And uh, they were there. That's their their party night. You know, they were there to party. You know, it's ten bucks to get in. They're drinking and getting wasted on this and they're just, you know, Boston, no filter town, right? So they're going, oh man, hey, you want to go to the fucking bar? Let's go to the fucking bar and get a fucking drink, man. I'm fucking tired of this shit. Fucking socks losing a fucking shit. Get the fucking ball already, you know. And I'm like, hey, fellas, excuse me, my kids are right here. Do you mind? They're like, oh, fuck me. I'm fucking sorry, dude. Good. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Covered it. Anyway, well, guys, thank y'all so much, man. This has been fun. Thank you. Appreciate it. You fall alone if you should stand. Then who else to guide you? If I knew the way, I would take you home. Da 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 da. La da 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 da